everybody. This is The Simpsons Show. I'm Robbie with my co-host Matt, and we are here to talk about The Simpsons from the beginning. Matt, how are you? I'm fantastic, Robbie. I love doing old things as if they were new things and pretending that they're new and everyone going, hey, isn't that old? And I say, no, no, it's not. It's completely new, completely original and unlike anything we've done before. See, we had a narration, so that makes it completely different. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's just one of the many, many problems. Yeah, true boy. Hi, guys. We are brought to you by supporters of Patreon. You can support us by going to patreon.com slash The Simpsons Show for only $2 a month. Gain access to all of our bonus content. Um, lots of great stuff on our Patreon. It's all worth, absolutely worth all that money. Uh, best deal in podcasting, as I've said many times. I'll say it again. This week's episode is all about Lisa. Episode KBF. K-A-B-F-13, originally aired May 18th, 2008, written by John Frank, directed by Stephen Dean Moore. This is the last episode of season 19, Matt. Ooh, well, so that, it's the last time for trivia, huh? Well, yeah, it's that also, but it's mostly just like, yay, we got another, knock another one off. Mark it off. Mark it off the list. Just another 14 seasons to go. To catch I mean, up. we made up a lot of ground since we started. Okay? <laughs> true, we're, we're, true. We're closing the distance, and every year. another eight years, and we'll catch up. <laughs> no, I mean, none, I mean, they're going to have 50, 50, 60 seasons of The Simpsons by the time we're done. So it's that's true. But at some point, we will have caught up to them. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. Then the we, episodes. Then we, we just, then we just take a then we just take a, a, a break until they finish the season or something. Um, yeah. Received a three point seven rating with six point two million viewers. The Couch Guy family is dragged on a computer screen with a mouse, and then are put into the recycle bin, which can then gets emptied feel like this is a repeat but i'm not positive about that maybe it's not i'm pretty sure it is i can't remember anymore it's just this is a blur i like it i'll say that it's not bad i just don't remember if we've seen it before so my brain has turned into mush this episode guest stars drew carey as himself for about six seconds he's fine yeah he makes some jokes about crusty that's it i mean he i think he appears like as a as like as a he's appears was quiet later in the episode i'm not sure about that frankly this episode is like um it, like if you've wrapped gauze around your eyes and watched this episode there's very little difference in your your in your experience basically of watching this episode it feels well like, yeah it feels like i've like i've rubbed vaseline on my eyeballs or something before i watch this because it feels like there's just nothing there there's nothing that makes an impression this episode is just like cardboard it's just there it's weird in like little tiny ways. It's not downright terrible offensive in any way. It's just there. It's the Algene special. You know, it's the latter. I think this is this might be a, a, a like a, a hint of what we're going to be getting in the HD era, man. It's just these kind of bland, yeah. weird episodes. Um, episode begins with but, us. What are you going to say, Matt? I said that are uh, often retreads of episodes that have already happened. Yes. Uh, hey guys, have you seen Bart Gets Famous? Then you've already seen this. You've seen this, but that's way better. Bart Gets Famous is funny. Way better. It has jokes in it. Uh, I don't know if there was a joke in this episode. This episode begins with us on the red carpet for the Springfield Showbiz Awards. Uh, we get, we get a, a few moments here with the most famous people from Springfield, which apparently is Rainier Wolfcastle. Uh, we get Gabo, Booberella. I'm sure I'm missing a couple people that we got brief shots of. Um, but this is specifically, Matt. I want to. I this is important, I guess, 
in some weird way. I don't know. This episode, I'm probably thinking I'm, this is almost assuredly true. I am absolutely thinking about this episode more than it deserves, but this is the Springfield Showbiz Awards. Right. Is it only honoring people in Springfield? In Springfield? I would assume. I mean, that's that's from the, by the name, by who's there, that's who I would assume. Okay. That's, I, that is my first big question, because it kind of is important, and it matters to everything else, even though it makes it not make any sense. Because <laughs> this episode doesn't make any sense. If you think about it for more than six seconds, you're just like, wait a minute, what is going on? So, uh, we see this this presentation, we see the, gl- the glitz and glamour of Springfield. Also, this really mutates, like, how famous are these people? Like, this is a, these are local celebrities, right? So, this is like a local award show. But Rainier Wolfcastle is a big movie star. Yeah, I think he just lives in Springfield, possibly. But everyone else seems to be pretty local. Although Krusty has all his endorsement deals. It's very nebulous. Yeah, I know. That Maybe mean, Springfield is actually Hollywood. I don't know. I mean, that's the problem as the show has gone on longer and longer. And they've stretched all these things to be bigger and bigger. You're like, wait a minute. Isn't Springfield a small town? Why would they have an award? Okay, it doesn't matter. Uh we are panning over the crowd and we're getting these inter- awards introduced and they're about to award the Entertainer of the Year Award, which is, I guess, the most glamorous, the most important award that they, they, they award. And then as we get this random dude up there presenting the award, we get a narration from Mel. This distinguished looking gentleman is a highly respected actor. It's not important what he says or who he's a parody of. Only one person here really matters, the recipient of this award. No, it is not me. I am but your humble narrator in this tale of fame, betrayal, and coin collecting. But more about that later. Nor is it him, nor him, nor ham. No, tonight is about her. This year's award goes to... Lisa Simpson. Surprised? Let me start at the beginning and tell you a little bit about Lisa. In fact, all about Lisa. But this isn't all about Lisa. This is this is a very short part of what is about Lisa. <laughs> it, it's so confusing. I... You know, I had no idea what this, I all I knew, you know, what I read last week at the end of the episode was like, oh, this is so about Krusty. When Krusty hires Lisa and Lisa ended up becoming famous. OK, but it's presented in such a weird way. Like, why is Mel narrating this? I have no idea. I it, I guess because he's uh, uh, show business adjacent. Like I mean, he's he, in show business, but he's not the main character. I, I yeah, like in it, Mel comes into play later on in the episode but there is no reason for mel to be narrating this to us like this is it feels like just a weird device they use i can't i don't know why and this episode the title all about lisa is 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 referencing all about eve which is a story about a a young woman basically usurping the role of an older starlet from 1950 so it's from the 50s i guess but and All About Eve is considered a classic, but all about, I, I guarantee All About Eve is probably 10. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll watch All About Eve. It's probably 10,000 times better than this episode. But Oh, gosh, I hope so. But there's no way, there, but there's no narration in that as far as I know. And I, maybe, they're, maybe there is and they're aping that, but this doesn't mimic that story. There's really no connection between the two as far as I can tell. Um, but we then jump back in time. 
So Mel's narrating this, and he says, oh, we see Lisa. Or Lisa is getting entertained the year award. And then we jump back in time before all of this is happening. Jump to cr- the taping of Krusty's 4,000th episode. Uh, this is where we see Drew Carey. Uh, he's ro- he's doing a little. He's like roasting Krusty here. I don't I don't know why. I don't know why. I mean, I could just say that about everything. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know why. Uh, he's roasting Krusty. That's kind of all he does. He does like a, a monologue, little stand up bits, and then Krusty comes out, shows clips from the Krusketeers, and the, they as like a. How old is this clip supposed to be? Eighties, nineties. No idea. The people who show up as reunion Cresceteers seem in their 30s-ish, so I would expect 80s. 80s, yeah. Like, I I assume that this is referencing, like, you know, just Justin Timberlake and Britney Spears and all them, which was, like, early 90s kind of thing. And as when they were Mouseketeers. But I don't, I don't know, because they come back and they're all... They're, one the one of the ladies is pregnant. And one of the guys is like a criminal. So he took a fall for Krusty. That's all gone. None of this matters, really. Um, I could probably say that about that whole episode. But uh, they're looking for this is all 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 this is just to get us into auditions for a new Krusketeer. And Bart's excited. Obviously, Bart's excited. He wants to be a Krusketeer. Uh, Millhouse is there. We see, we literally see only two people audition. There's a, we see a bunch of other kids around. We only see Nelson's audition, and we only see Bart's audition. Uh, Nelson is playing some geeks, some nerdies, some nerdy kids as like a musical instrument. Uh, Bart's doing prop comedy. Uh, it's all right. I, it's better than Nelson's bit, but I don't know. Krusty's not impressed. Nothing impresses Krusty, I guess, at this point. Well, Krusty just wants uh, everyone to be not as good as him. That's all he cares about. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Honestly, Matt, I don't know what the drive of this is. There's no for the fact, despite the fact that this this plot, I think this is the like the barest distillation of this. The plot requires characters to have like m- meaningful motivations and like deep, nuanced like history and trauma like this requ- this would require like if if you want to make that comparison all about eve crusty crusty i've been saying crusty because of crusketeer it's just such a weird thing crusty is supposed to be more like this you know he's he's this is a 4000th episode he's been around forever they make fun of how unfunny he is and how washed up he is and all that but we need moments here from Krusty himself saying that he is tired of this that he just doesn't have the fire anymore we need some character and it's not there we just get scenes and they don't really develop anything um crusty chooses nelson despite the fact that bart's audition does way better the crowd the the people assembled seem to like it a lot more we i like it a lot more i think it's there crusty has slept with mrs months so therefore he hires nelson just like show business i also like this episode seems to want us to like crusty like it seems like oh you should be rooting for crusty to get his thing back but he's thoroughly unlikable more so than normal i really because i i did not get that at all i i got it as the entire episode was making fun of old hollywood types who are sitting their ways and not changing with the time i I don't think crusty is likable at all so I, i don't know 
what would no, cause me to well, root for Krusty. Well, that's I agree with you, Matt. I'm just saying that I think it feels like the plot is dictating that we have to root for Krusty. Like he's been usurped. He's his role has been taken, and we is Lisa like I again. We'll, we'll get to all this. So okay, it's very compl- it's very confusing. I think that's the thing. I would one word I would use for this entire episode: confusing. I'm just confused. Krusty chooses Nelson as his new Krusketeer. There's only one of them for some reason. I don't know why you wouldn't hire a, a handful of them like you they did and have for the Musketeers. Whatever, doesn't matter. Lisa's watching. She sees him hire Nelson. She is upset by this for whatever reason and goes to talk to Krusty. That's not fair. Bart was great. Hey, Krusty, you're making a huge mistake not hiring my brother. Why didn't you hire them both? It won't cost you anything. You could call Bart an intern. In fact, the intern thing could open up a whole new world of free labor for you. Did you know the Discovery Channel doesn't have a single paid employee? Hmm. Okay, kid. You've convinced me. To make Bart a Cresketeer? Hell no. To make you my new intern. You're a real go-getter. Now go get me my dry cleaning, which is my code word for scotch. And give me my scotch, which is my code word for my bookie. Also, go get my dry cleaning. What? But... What? But... What? 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 But... What are you standing around for? I wish I was paying you so I could dock your salary. Uh-oh. Lisa didn't know it then, but she had just dipped her toe into the business of show. And it is a business, as you shall find out in about three seconds. Two, one. This is an important question. What does Lisa want? Well, that's the problem, Robbie. We don't know, because Lisa takes this job for no reason. This job she didn't even want. And I'm pretty sure the answer to that is the same answer we always hate so much. Because the plot requires it. The plot dictates that Lisa gets this job, so she does. And that's literally what happens. Um, Like, in what I was saying, like, it seems like it should be Krusty is this old washed up guy and he doesn't have the fire anymore going through the motions. And the counterpoint would be Lisa is the opposite. Lisa is young. And this is not true, obviously. But this is what the plot, this is what this plot, this story shape would require. Would Lisa... Being this hungry, young, ambitious, um, movies like tele- personality, I guess they're not they're not really clear about Hollywood and show 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 business, whatever all that means. But someone who wants to be famous and is willing to do anything to get there, cutthroat, and that's why Lisa is able to take this role from Krusty eventually, but. Lisa just does this because her, she wanted her brother to get a part. And instead, Krusty's like, you know, I hire you. And I'm like, why doesn't Lisa just say no? <laughs> why doesn't Lisa say no or yes if you also take on my brother? Like, it feels like there's a, a like there, there's they just went bloop, right past it. Uh, don't worry about that. Don't look that way. Hand wave it away. Uh, we go to commercial six minutes and 35 seconds. And when we come back, we've got Mel narrating again. Uh, Lisa is now Krusty's assistant, and uh, we get the first day of basically a Lisa on the job, and it's just, who is it dumb? Anyway, here you go. What are you looking at? Uh, I'm just trying to hit my marks. And I don't? Is that what you're saying? No, no, I think you're a consummate pro. Oh, so now you're judging me. Well, what do you think of this? You're fired. Yeah? Well, my mom says you're a selfish lover. I know what I want, and I get it. <laughs> 
I'll trash you in my memoirs. Pay attention, you'll be writing my memoirs. Oh, I'll never last here. Chin up, little gopher. You can succeed with Krusty. A few hints. Always carry a cigar in case he asks. Never meet his gaze. And if he mentions Bitsy Gaynor, and he will, for God's sake, act like you know who she is. No one has any idea who Mitzi Gainer is, as as proven by the fact that I'm pretty sure no one here listening to this also knows who she is. But that's not really a huge deal, I suppose. Uh, this that I mean, I'm fine with it. I'm just like I I don't again I don't. Why is Lisa here? She's being like Krusty is being thoroughly unlikable. Mm-hmm. Why is she here? Uh, again, I can't think of any reason no, Lisa should be here. There's, they've literally not given her a reason. Like character motivation is the basis level of writing. It is literally the first thing you're like, what does this character want, and how are they going to get it? But it's like, no, Lisa doesn't want anything. She's just like doing things because a a a, a very old, obnoxious, terrible clown told her to. Her parent, like Homer and Marge, are gone from this like they're you're like wait a minute where are they and then suddenly they just appear you're like what do they have something to say about lisa taking a job no yeah especially as an intern at eight years old i mean <sighs> they like they get they come back around but like we see them in a minute but it, ugh, it's about bart you're like what about lisa we don't care okay nope no one All cares right. about any of this which I, we'll see yes. because next up is uh we get bart he is very upset uh talking to lisa about how much he deserves to work for Krusty and because he knows all the things about uh, Krusty, including his favorite Blintz flavor, which is blueberry, for those of you who didn't know, uh, and lots of other horrible, dumb things. Uh, Homer tries to talk to Bart uh, about this and convince him that, hey, you know, it's not all bad. Uh, maybe he should just get rid of all the things that may- reminds him of Krusty, which it being Bart is a lot. A lot, a lot. Like his, his room is covered in all kinds of Krusty memorabilia, so they decide that they're going to go sell it to comic book guy which oh boy here we go okay here's my offer all this primo crusty merchandise for that copy of radioactive man versus muhammad ali my counter offer radioactive man meets the kansas city royals how about radioactive man versus restless leg syndrome let's just try a different tack are you interested in coin collecting am i no hmm Wait, wait, wait. I will start you off with this bicentennial quarter, and I will throw in my man scrunchie. Uh, we'll stick with the coins. So, yes. Uh, it turns out the comic book guy has long, luxurious hair. So, yay. If you didn't know that, now you know. Uh, but I, Bart and Homer wh- have wh- taken up coin wh- collecting. Wh- yes, Robbie. Wh- that that little jazz music you hear that I just to be clear that is for those just you know obviously listening, it's just a slow mo shot of comic book guy like shaking his luxurious hair, like it's like mm-hmm. like, he's Farrah, funny. like he's Farrah like he's Farrah Fawcett. Oh, that's what that is. I think I'm pretty sure. You sure? But well, you Homer know, you talks, never know. Homer I, talks I like it's him trying to be flirty. Or that just Homer is creeped out by the fact that a man has long hair, which is also I, something Homer would. I, I just don't, have. again inexplicable. What is this? This I didn't read that as a like. If that's a is that a joke? Is that what you're saying? I think it's supposed to be, but you know, obviously, not everyone feels that way. And so, man, here's my other. Here's my other. I want my a bone to pick. Another one. I, don't, I wouldn't say my other bone to pick because there's probably a couple of thousand more. But 
in an episode where it is like aping a kind of big like rise and fall hollywood kind of story you know show business and it needs time to build up uh, the slow rise and then and peak and then the, then the 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 dangers of degeneration of of, of of show business and being famous and how dangerous it can be instead we get a b plot that's literally homer and bart collecting coins and that's the entirety of it it comes and it goes and then it's gone but and it's not okay i just it's just i'm like i just want to note this like this doesn't need to why why inexplicable what's going on <laughs> help uh it's just it's gonna get worse just see so you no no okay so uh after the whole start of the coin collecting thing uh <laughs> we get uh a scene with crusty and lisa where lisa has cleaned up crusty's dressing room uh, and Krusty appreciates it. He's like, oh, everything's where it's supposed to go. You know, nothing is festering anywhere, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and he actually praises Lisa, which is unusual for Krusty, because usually he's just a jerk no matter what. So, again, Krusty's slightly inconsistent here, but whatever. Because this is just a distraction. We go back to the main plot of Bart and Homer collecting coins, which we get a nice montage of them just going out and finding random coins that uh, go in Bart's little collecting book. Because that's that's apparently where you find the coins to go. The most. Not that they're rare or anything. That's not why they're in this book. It's just to have them. And you can find them practically anywhere on the ground. Sure. Sure. Also, they fight a leprechaun because why not? If you're going stupid. Sure. I. <laughs> yeah. I, okay, Matt. I'm. Mm hmm. Do you think anyone who's written who's who helped write this episode? Did they actually collect coins? I don't think so. Uh, or if they did, uh, they were not either consulted or ignored. But collecting, I don't know, Matt. Leprechauns, they fight a leprechaun in this. They fight a leprechaun. Of course, because that's where you get coins from, is leprechauns. I know, Robbie. I know. So, moving on, <laughs> we go back to uh, Lisa and Krusty. Oh, no, sorry. First, we have to go to the kissing Lincoln spinning. Uh, they, com uh, they, complete, they complete the collection aside. Except for this special penny which is how a lot of coin collecting works is because the reason people want to collect these is because they're very rare so you're not just going to go run out and find them you're going to have to actually you know buy them from other people who have already found them uh which is what's going to end up happening with this kissing lincoln's penny uh homer vows to find it uh but then we're completely out of this plot uh up until the the last scene in it thank goodness and we're back to lisa and crusty uh because at this point uh Krusty is doing a sketch without even checking whether all of his people are there or not, and Lisa has to jump in to save him. Here I am, walking the plank. I wish this mean pirate wasn't poking me with his sword. Where's the chimp? Mr. Teeny's not here. He's stuck in traffic. Oh, what do I do? I can't add lip to save my life. Oh, oh, oh boy, oh boy. Yo, ho, ho! a bottle of fun. What are you doing, kid? My job, making you look good. Oh, yeah, right. Uh, so, what be your name, Mitchie? Long John Seltzer! The laughter swept over her like a wave, enveloping her in its intoxicating embrace. Uh, yes, from then on, we get a nice long uh, narration of Mel describing that Lisa is now enamored with show business, 
And then we got to Krusty at Lake Tahoe, uh, where he's having a little R&R, but is visited by his agent, who warns him that now that Lisa has gotten a taste of laughter and, you know, the limelight, that she is going to be a, you know, a threat to him. Because that's how it works. No one ever just goes on to help anyone out or anything like that. No, no, no. Now that she has been in the limelight, it's going to completely take over her life. And Robbie, I'll tell you something. Because the plot requires it, it does happen just like that. <laughs> oh my god. I, it's just great. Like, okay. In All About Eve, Eve is, I don't know, is nefarious. Eve is manipulative. Eve is, is you know, trying to take from uh, Betty Davis's character. And Lisa doesn't seem to be mean about this. It seems like she's, it's just an accident. Oops. Oh, I'm right. But she's also, yeah, she's, but she's dressed as a, lazy and but, she's picking everything else up. Yeah. She, but she's also dressed as a clown. So I don't know. Like, she's like, oh, oops, I'm ready. And you're like. You, it the spot doesn't the story doesn't work unless Lisa is, is you know pushing Krusty away at the same time. Like if, if this story was Lisa lies to Krusty so that she gets this audition by herself, that's something. That's conflict. But she doesn't. She just says, "Oops." Maybe she just didn't tell him. I'm not. Is that supposed to be implied? By the way, I'm not sure though. Did she purposefully not tell him about this? That Mr. Cheney wasn't going to be there? I no, 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 no. About the, the next, well, we're, you're talking about Lake Tahoe. We're about to get to this audition with the executives or whatever. Oh, right, right, right. I'm just saying, did Lisa not tell Krusty about this meeting so that she could have this audition by herself? Or did, is Krusty just forgetting about it? Hmm. That's a good question. Um, Don't know. We don't know. We're never told. We're never told. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we then get to, like Robbie said, a meeting with executives that somehow Krusty does not know about. And Krusty rushes in at the last possible second to, uh, you know, catch up and be proud to find that Lisa has already taken his place. Evening, Mr. Krusty. Great show, last. Sorry, I can't act like you matter. The star is here. Shh, we're working. Huh? So the centipede says, I'm going, I'm going. I'm just putting on my shoes. <laughs> <laughs> now that's well-performed comedy. Oh, my God. Everything you said came true, Ron. Uh, Ron. So you'll come to the agency tomorrow, and I'll introduce you to the whole team, okay? You like egg white omelets? I'll be waiting. You're a good girl. Oh, I've been replaced by an eight-year-old. And then we get an absolutely horrific bit of Trusty trying to act like an eight-year-old and some follow-up narration by Mel about what is going to happen. And then we go to a commercial. I, mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. Lisa, they, one meeting, one audition, whatever, whatever this is. I have no idea what this actually uh -huh. is. They don't actually tell us. Lisa is now Krusty? Uh, she's basically taking his, his uh, show and his job because after – 4,000 shows, Krusty is a has-been, and they were just looking to sort of someone I, to replace him, apparently. Well, I, I, what? Wait? What? What? But, mm -hmm, like, mm -hmm. if you're going to fire someone after 4,000 shows, wouldn't that be, like, a big deal? 
Wouldn't you make a You'd big think, deal about You'd that? Think. If you're especially if you're telling a story about it, wouldn't you be like and Krusty wouldn't Krusty make a scene and go to these executives and be like, I've done more thousand shows for you. You know, I have no loyalty. You know, nothing nothing like that. Again. You'd think. Yeah, but they no, don't, we don't have time the, for that. They don't, I, I guess, I mean, we have time for coins and leprechauns. We don't have time for that, though. Uh, we come back from commercial at 14 minutes and 48 seconds. Uh, it's the Lisa show now. Krusty has been replaced by Lisa. Immediately. Immediately. They just sub her right in. I, uh, no one broaches that Lisa's an eight-year-old girl, that she didn't want to do this at all at first, and now suddenly she's just a clown. Um, She's great, by the way, Matt. Lisa is a great clown. That's true. She is. She's really she's good at this job. Apparently, she we see her juggle. She loves her fans. She loves the cheers, Matt. We see Lisa. She's and I. This isn't fake. Like Lisa literally does like genuinely love these cheers. She really does do loves doing this for the fans and loving them, loving it. And she's like talking to Mel about this and. It's this isn't a facade, you know. Like Krusty, we we saw Krusty. He was all tired, worn out, not impressed by anything. Lisa loves it, love with in love with the Cheers. Krusty now is hosting a late, late, late night talk show, like at three in the morning, and the the guest star is Jimbo. Okay, he leaves. And Krusty doesn't even interview him. Krusty just walks off. Krusty just walks off, like. I I I literally I legitimately just don't understand. Like again, even a show at three thirty in the morning would not have Jimbo on. It have like a Z-less celebrity. It's very confusing. I don't know what they're trying. To, like I get it. Yeah, Jimbo's a nobody. He's like a kid. But also, Jimbo would not be booked for a talk show. It doesn't. Like I'm obviously I, you'd book Kearney. Come on, guys. We we all know Kearney's the talker. <laughs> I just, Matt, I just, it's another thing where like I I I have stayed up till four in the morning and have watched the the, the, the those late 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 shows that do have the Z-list celebrities on from time to time. They're usually not very good, but I've watched them and they don't have like random nobodies. They do have celebrities, people who have been in are usually in like basic cable television shows. Um, hey hey Matt, don't forget. Mm-hmm. There's a B plot in this episode, and it's about oh, that's right. It's about collecting coins. Uh, they're looking for that kissing Lincoln penny, and uh, they can't find it. Bart's upset because they're just digging through piles of pennies, which is not what you do. You would not dig through piles of pennies uh, to find a rare coin like this. You would have to do what they eventually do do. Thankfully, I mean they acknowledge this at least. They go to an auction house uh, where they are auctioning off very rare coins. Burns is there and has purchased every single coin so far. And then finally, Homer and Bart show up just in time, obviously, for the kissing Lincoln's penny. Uh, Burns outbids them after a brief back and forth. They lose. And Matt, my mind, after this moment, okay, Burns has their penny. I was fully expecting a heist. I was expecting, like, something. Uh, uh, like a something interesting and fun not something stupid <laughs> yeah i guess that's i guess that's my problem i expected a some sort of set piece scene that would ha- see them either fail spectacularly or achieve their dream of getting this penny uh but that's not what happens homer just tricks burns into giving him the penny by giving him asking for change for a nickel they put the penny in the book and that's it that's the end. There's no more coin collecting. That entire subplot. 
the subplot is it, that's it they get the coin by tricky birds with like a dumb really dumb trick uh mel narrates them dressing up in tuxedos and then they go to this award ceremony that started the episode mm-hmm. okay and so we see them there in tuxedos lisa gets her award but there is no there's no payoff to why this needed to be foreshadowed no there's no reason for this to be the whole in media res thing anything like that at all there there's no like nothing happens out to lisa as she's getting the award everything that all the plot development if that's a very generous by the way if i call it development (laughs) plot plot development quote sneer quotes and that uh happens after because we get mel taking lisa aside and showing her the former winners of the award. Lisa, before you walk away from this venerable hall and into the arms of your adoring fans, may I have a moment? Well, I do owe you everything. Make it quick. Behold your fellow winners of the Entertainer of the Year Award. Hmm, I don't recognize any of them. And why should you? He appears nightly on Broadway, selling combs and mints in the men's room. She was fired after a bad rehearsal from Homeboys in Outer Space. And perhaps the saddest one of all, he graced stages from London to Los Angeles. When he played Biff in Death of a Salesman, every woman in the audience wished they were happy. But that was before he took the bone. Melvin Van Horn. (gasps) Sideshow Mel. It's you! How could this happen to you? To all these wonderful performers? Applause is an addiction, like heroin or checking your email. Once you have a taste, you'll do anything to get more. Don't end up like these people. Don't end up like... me. (laughs) I need to get out while I still can. Thank you, Mel. Robbie, I think the biggest problem with this is um, what 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 happens now? Where do we go from here? I I normally Matt, this would be this is like this is the Lisa getting a taste of what the 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 dangers of show business, the dangers of fame, mm-hmm. the pitfalls, and Mel, you know, like Bart saw in Bart gets famous. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I'm gonna say this, Matt. I'm not going to say that the Simpsons can't reuse old plots and, and and put a twist on them, use different characters, different roles, and do similar things. Sure they can. Because you can do it and do it well and make it make a different episode, effectively. What you can't do is take the same exact plot and do it five times worse and then expect not people to compare them. Because Barclay's Famous is so much better than this and makes sense. And we have Mel as this... He's like, you can't, you'll, you'll become, this is what happens in show business. And, and I'm like, here is, this is the thought I have as I'm watching this. Think about Mel's life. Mel is sideshow Mel. He is Krusty's right-hand man, effectively, right? And he, he's, he's, he's on Krusty's show and he's the butt of the joke a lot of the time, does physical comedy. Um, Mel, the, you know the joke about Mel is is similar to the joke that's about Bob, and Mel is like actually very intelligent, and Mel's just not evil <laughs> like Bob is. Mel's a nice guy, but Mel 
makes a living acting on television, correct? Yes, that's correct. Okay. Maybe it's not glamorous. You know, he's not playing, performing Death of a Salesman or whatever. Mm-hmm. But he is paying his bills performing. And that that idea of, oh, Mel wanted more, but he had to settle for this because it pays his bills. That's something. That's interesting. That's something you could talk about. But instead, It is, but it happens three minutes from the end. <laughs> it happens three minutes from the end. And there is no nuance in any of this. It is simply, oh, you if you're not a movie star... <laughs> Then you have failed, and I, I, I don't know, I don't know what this is saying. I don't like Lisa needs to get out of show, like showbiz will inevitably chew you up and spit you out. Is that what they're saying? And you'll be Lisa will be crusty. Is that is that what that seems like so nihilistic that in it's inevitable? And he he says the words applaud. You'll get addicted to applause, mm-hmm. and like, it, I mean, yeah. You're that you're just you're 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 just describing life, Mel. <laughs> you're like saying like, yeah, I'm addicted. <laughs> I'm addicted to cheeseburgers. Like, yeah, I I need to eat. And yes, uh, I'm getting, addicted to dopamine. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Yeah, dopamine. I'm sorry, my brain reacts to things. But like, yes, people. If I don't, <laughs> I don't know what he's saying anymore. But this, I guess, this is terrifying because Lisa needs to get out right away, Matt. There's two minutes left in this episode, and Lisa needs to get out. We've had no plot development. We've had no character development except for this. And now we need to end this episode. We need to pull the uh, ripcord. So we get an ending. That's all I'll call it. An ending. An ending. <laughs> Everyone, wait. Um, there's someone I forgot to thank, and he's here tonight. Krusty, will you come up on stage, please? What do you want? You've already taken everything I care about. Really? So what else is in the news? This just in, I don't give a crap. Trying to set you up for laughs. Trying to set me up with a giraffe? (laughs) (laughs) All right, you guys know about giraffes. Long legs, big neck. Here comes the zinger. Speaking of necks, my girlfriend is a real pain in mine. She crashed her car into mine and said, Look, honey, we have a hybrid. (laughs) (laughs) Finally. By giving everything away, she was able to keep the only thing that mattered, her dignity. God, how I envy her. Ruff, ruff. Ooh, I think I'm in love. Krusty, please. My wife is giving birth as we speak. Just four more ticks. Come on. Ruff, 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 ruff. Krusty, I'm a half. And that's the end. It all goes back to how it was. That's it? That is it. That's literally, like, I wrote that down twice, Matt. That's it? Mm-hmm. Like, Lisa's, Lisa's just acquiesced, is just giving her role back to Krusty? Is that what's happened? Yes? Basically, yes. Lisa's given it up, and the executive went right back to Krusty. That doesn't... So the, so the executives didn't sign into a contract, or... There's no worries. Nope, no, no types of like exit clause or anything like that. She's allowed to just sub Krusty right back in. What is this? Oh, well, they needed 22 episodes or 24 episodes or however many episodes for a season. They said, let's redo Barkett's Famous, but with Lisa, but let's make it schmaltzier. 
This is and only get rid of all the humor. This is only twenty episodes, man. This is a short season. Oh, uh, I believe it's because of the writer strike is the reason this was, a, was the reason this was, oh. season was shortened. But um, yeah, this doesn't really do anything. There things happen in this episode, and they they do pretend that it has an ending. Um, I would like here. I'll say this: the B plot has a beginning, a middle, and an end. Uh, it's not really the, sat- the B plot does. It's true. Yeah, it's not really satisfying because they don't really face any challenges. But it it the B plot. I don't think it is a B plot. It probably I should probably shouldn't have that many expectations on it. My most my biggest problem with the B plot is that it's not funny. Um, and I would say also this entire episode is devoid of laughter. And there is not a single moment in it where I laughed. I did not smile. I did not chuckle. It's just very dry. And it feels like there are moments where they look at you. Like the the, the show is like waiting for you to laugh at, at, at something like a joke. It just doesn't, just doesn't happen. Um, it's not very good. It's not very good. And it's not fun or interesting at all. No, it's, it's not. It's just it's it's just there. It, it, that is what this episode is. It just exists. Like it is just just this is like um it's like soylent green. It's like soylent. Like it's just is it's just like calories. It's just there. Like it it fulfills the very it fulfills the need for have an episode. Yes, it fulfills the basic need of having a Simpsons episode. I can't. Uh, it just does not. It's just say, that's all I can say. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're right at the end of the show. I mean, Robbie, is this episode broken? Because you know, uh, it's not obvious. I, I, I don't know, Matt. Like it's close. I, I don't know. I don't know. Is it? I mean. It depends on what we mean by broken. If we mean an episode that does not provoke laughter or plot. (laughs) What do you, just by your gut, Matt, what does your gut tell you? I would say yes, this episode is broken because what did they want to accomplish with this is is the real problem. Okay, there's a difference between should this episode exist and is this episode broken? Because I feel like something that's broken is an episode that is not, uh, that, that sets out to achieve something and fails. This episode just feels like a sloppy copy of something that already existed. So I don't know that it's broken as if it has no reason to exist. I should have gone with another idea for an episode. Okay, okay, okay. I No, you were right the first time with that quick fix idea. Let's see. Quick fix, quick fix. Uh-huh. I I'm I I'm on the fence about it, but you you I think you you you're 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 not. I think that's enough to sway me over. Um I, I think you can do like I I think you can do this in a different way than Bart gets famous. Like Bart gets famous is more about the kind of the fickle nature of popularity, and like and and how the show business will see someone who is successful take advantage of them as soon as their popularity dies off, they'll leave them to die in a ditch. You know who cares? You don't need them anymore. And this episode is more about what fame does to a person and how it can corrupt. I think, I think there is a distinction there, at least the ideal version of this episode, I think is what that, what it would do. Um, and I think that's what I would do. I would, if you want to fix this episode one, you ditch the coin collecting takes up too much time for a big, like a big Hollywood story like this. 
because this is what this is. This is like an homage to classic Hollywood and to like a an epic kind of feeling. You need all the time you can get. So dump Homer in. I would just roll Homer and Bart into the A plot. Like just roll them into it where they are Lisa's support system. Where and I would say have Lisa. Like it could start similarly to Bart gets famous. Like you just have Lisa. One, you have to establish a motivation for Lisa. Why does she want to be crusty? If you want to do the all about Lisa thing, comparing it to all about Eve and Lisa usurping Krusty's role as the as, as a star, as the star of this television show, you could you need Lisa to get a taste of that applause, of those cheers, and she gets a taste and she wants it. And step by step, she takes advantage and gets and, and moves Krusty out of. And frankly. It's really not that hard. It shouldn't be that hard to get Krusty out of his job. He's terrible at it. And the only reason he... The entropy is the only reason he hasn't been fired is they just don't have anyone else to replace him. Like, you you just literally just... Lisa just comes in as an alternative and says, like, yeah, I can do this and this and this. I'll make changes. I'll make the show better. And they hire Lisa. Lisa gets... Lisa is good at the job. And you have the... You roll the family in as people helping her with her fame and all that stuff. And maybe it corrupts them too. Um, and Krusty, we have to follow Krusty alongside. Krusty is like an, an, the other main character in this story. And he's down and out. Lisa, we see Lisa and you can still have Mel do the thing, you know, or you be careful. You don't become Krusty. And maybe Krusty cleans up his act. There's a million different things. It's just like Lisa. It's this again. I get so flustered. This is such a simple story shape, like rise and fall of a star. That's all you do. And Lisa, and you just get to the point where Lisa is about to have her big fall. Like you have the warning signs and she maybe gets it. She maybe sees this, the writing on the wall and goes, oh no, what have I become? And then you go back to the status quo. But you actually, at least it has to be a bad guy. I'm just like, it, again, no one is... Because she's the usurper. Yeah. So she has to be the bad guy uh, 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 to somebody, essentially. I mean, she is the bad guy to Krusty in this, I guess, but she doesn't feel like it because she's not being self-serving. Like, she's being entirely innocent of this entire thing until she just throws it back to Krusty because she feels like she is being... Or she decides to abandon her dreams, and that doesn't make any sense, really. No, it doesn't make any sense. And it's, it's like, again, it, like, it feels so strange to me, like some episodes, and it's not just Lisa, but I'll use Lisa as an example, where they like, they write Lisa as like, this joke, like annoying character, like they did it with, uh, well, I can't remember the name of episodes anymore, I think my Matt, my, I think my, I think my Matt, I think my brain, eh, is, the same it, thing, I understand, is just falling apart, but uh, like, um, in Mona Lisa, like Lisa is this annoying, like she corrects, she corrects Homer, and they make a point about making like Lisa this stereotypical, annoying version of herself. But and it, like it, that is frustrating to watch. But then in episodes like this, they won't let her be mean. They won't let her make mistakes. Like it feels like it's overcorrecting in the opposite direction. You're like you have to make, let characters have flaws. And so they can learn from them. You know, it, by the end of the episode, Lisa, again, will be she'll learn and go, oh, I was blinded by the applause and by the cheers and it felt great. And I love being famous and something surprises me. Would I am coming back around to your original question, Matt, like, does this episode need to exist? No, I would not. I wouldn't do it. 
but yeah, you could. I would, I would just have something completely different, but because this is not funny, it's not interesting. It, it seems like there's no reason for this to exist when you already have Bart gets famous. Exactly, and like I don't feel like it belongs to Lisa, but you could do it. And at this point, it's The Simpsons, and we're at this point in the season at The Simpsons, it's season nineteen, in the four hundreds of episodes, and it's still even then The Simpsons were long on the tooth, and now now it's ten years later, over ten years later, and they're still doing. So I'm not going to say don't try it because what do you got to lose? But you have to try. <laughs> you can't just you know crap out a shape of random of and have some random scenes and pretend that this tells a story. Because it doesn't. There's no story in this episode. Nothing happens. No character has. There's no arcs. Like Bart, none of. None, and like you'll say, the B plot has a. It wraps up and tells a story, but there's no character arc. They don't learn anything. I don't know. I don't know what. I don't know what to do. It's supposed to be. You know, you're, it's your last episode of the season. It's supposed to be like punchy and meaningful and like leave people with a good taste. Maybe a cliffhanger. Leave a people with a good taste in your mouth at least. Like, oh, I can't wait till we get more Simpsons. And this subject, I watch this and I go, eh, I don't need any more Simpsons. I'm all right. Like, what is this? Is It's like, I guess it's better than Smoke on the Daughter. I'll say that. That is definitely true, but it's hard to not be better than that. Yeah. Uh, we can move on to our next segment. It's time for comments of the news group. Okay, here we are. Alt.nerd.obsessive. Comments of the news group is where I ask our patrons over there at patreon.com slash the Simpsons show. Their thoughts on episode, and they they leave their their comments, and I read them on the air. Uh, first from Derek, bit of an odd one. Whole thing is just a bit of a question mark. Lisa's just the wrong character for this plot. You think it'd be Bart? Oh wait, it was Bart. Fourteen years prior, when they did that, did this and did it much much better. It isn't aggravating like many episodes from this time, but it's very confused and unoriginal episode, especially coming just two weeks after a similarly bland and meandering Lisa outing. Even the insipid subplot just has this aura of deja vu when we've just had an insipid Homer Bart B plot and smoke on the daughter. Very lackluster ending to a very poor season. Amen. From Mark, I actually really liked this episode, but I did find myself asking similar questions Robbie was asking to the review of Smoke on the Daughter, and that is, what are Lisa's motivations? Why does she want this job? Maybe if Lisa turned down the job at first and then Bart talks her into it? I thought this much Sideshow Mel would have been too much, but I did find myself interested in his story. That's what I'm saying. I could have done for, with more Mel. Make this more Mel-centric. Mel's a character that actually could, you could have plenty of backstory about, because Mel is an intelligent guy, and you could use him as a counterpart to Krusty. But they never really have. They were just, this is kind of what we, the most we get from Mel. Uh, for Benjamin, it was fine. I didn't love it, but going out bland is something I'll take after that recent run. Didn't feel like Lisa was a character in this one. I prefer the episode just uh, just giving us Sideshow Mel's story. The coin collecting story was just filler, but for some reason I laughed the most at that stupid leprechaun bit. On to season twenty. Um, JJ, this may just be this may just be Bart gets famous with Lisa, but if you're going to read a plot this shamelessly, at least they choose a great they chose a great episode to rip off. It's funny that this episode is called All About Lisa because she's more of a plot device. We don't really follow her. If anything, this episode is about Krusty, and to a lesser extent, Mel. Which might be why I actually liked it, despite the borderline plagiarism. I laughed several times, and even the B-plot was cute, and Homer was not written like the dumbest man on Earth. He actually outsmarted Mr. Burns. That could have given Lisa more motivation and made her feel like more of an active participant. I think this managed to avoid most of the pitfalls other episodes this season have fallen into. Uh, from Tim. Season 19, just 20 episodes, the fewest since the first season. This is due in part to a writer's strike that took up most of the 2007-2008 winter. 
course, that meant that what we did get for the season was spectacular. If you count avoiding the bottom 10 as spectacular, the mission accomplished. The season finale is one of the better, even the B story was relatively decent. Coin collecting is, in fact, incredibly dull, as the 10-year-old version of me. Jerk Homer's exposure was limited, and we did get to see Mr. Burns get screwed in a somewhat humorous way. Always a bonus. As for the A-plot, not too shabby. I do think the show needs a sideshow mode deep dive. I did like the way he closed Act 1. Ending did feel a bit rushed, though. In the end, I'll put this at number 250, barely canon. Ooh, 250. That seems a little high, but I guess we'll see. Uh, he's, I, think, I think he's being a little more generous than we will, Matt. Uh, from, <laughs> from Gabe, I think this episode was fine. Nothing to be excited about. I mean, that also means it is a top five in a season full of crap. I would give it a 6.5 out of 10. So season 20, beginning of the HD era, is better. Ooh, let's certainly hope. So. Uh, let's hope, but I'm not holding my breath. Uh, thanks everyone who watched the episode, left a review. You can join our cavalcade of calamity, calamity, cavalcade of calamity, parade of pain over there on our Patreon, Patreon.com/slash/show. We can move on to our next segment. It is time for the listener question of the week. Let's try one more number. <gasps> Yellow. KBBL is gonna give me something stupid. Well, hot dog. We have a wiener. Yellow. Our listener question of the week this week. What is your favorite fictional death? And I, I, the uh, people answer this question in, in an incredible variety of reasons, which I really do enjoy. I always like questions that really split people in crazy different ways. Uh, Matt, take it away. All right, first up, uh, from Matt, when 006 falls off of a satellite dish in Goldeneye, I always found the fall crazy because he didn't die on impact. The dish finally falls on him, crushing his body entirely. Uh, Arecibo. And that, that prediction finally came true just about 25 years later. Uh, let's see, from Brandon. <laughs> what, Robbie? Uh, I just, I didn't, I never thought about that. Uh, it, that almost the exact same thing happened. I know. Thankfully, no one died this time, as far as we know. All right, uh, from Brandon. The T-Rex attacking the lawyer on the toilet in Jurassic Park. Is there any other choice? Well, now that you mentioned it, Brandon. Uh, from Lauren. I have two, and one made me feel like a huge jerk since it was a child, and the other shook me up. The, those deaths were Joffrey Baratheon and Eddard Stark. Joffrey because I hated that kid slash character, so his death was satisfying. Eddard Stark because props to George R.R. Barton, who wasn't afraid to go there, and his death was what will propel the rest of the series. I mean, was Joffrey really a kid? I mean, mm. he's a teenager. <laughs> he was a teenager. Yeah. It's not. I mean, it's not really his fault, but I mean, look at how he, you know, who raised him. What do you, yeah. what do you expect? Yeah, exactly. All right, from Matthew. Uh, Wrath of Khan. I have been and always shall be your friend. Poor Mr. Spock. Uh, from Benjamin. Pumpkinhead grabs a guy. Does he, does what? He does come back. I mean, yes, he does come back, but is that really Spock? I mean. Oh, no, okay, Matt. Matt is a subscriber to the, the, the Spock clone uh, theory. I mean, he is his body is reborn, but he doesn't have any memories until the memories are transferred back out to him. So I guess it depends on how complete a Vulcan mind is. It, is it a ship of a ship of Theseus argument? Is that what we're doing? Exactly. Okay. Is exactly. that really okay? Fair enough. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, from Benjamin, Pumpkinhead grabs a guy by his head and picks him up. I always laugh at that. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, there is there is a portion of the, there is a portion of people who took this as their favorite death from a horror movie, which I'm not against. That's a good, that's a fun interpretation. That's good too. Yeah. 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 Uh, let's see. Uh, from Tim, I'll go for Nate Fisher on Six Feet Under. The only case I can think of where one of the main characters was killed off in the second to last episode. That's always fun. Uh, from Derek, Sister Jude, played by the incomparable Jessica Lange in the second season of American Horror Story. 
Her character was masterfully written and performed. She starts off as the primary antagonist and within 13 episodes has become one of the three protagonists. When she dies peacefully in bed is such an emotive, cathartic scene and speaks to the quality of the writing when this is a character you happily would have seen stabbed to death in the first few episodes. Now you feel teary-eyed at her deathbed. Definitely one of my favorite seasons of television. Wow, what a good show American Horror Story was 10 years ago. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's how those things go. Uh, from Gabe, I have to go with Adrian's liquid nitrogen death in Jason X. The way her head freezes into liquid nitrogen is terrifying. Then Jason just shatters her head against the table like it's just glass. It's such a brutal death in a campy, weird Jason movie. Isn't Jason X the one where he goes to space? It is. Well, yes. Yes. It's, they are, okay. It is set in space. I, I don't know. <laughs> he doesn't really go to space there. They That's clone true. He, him he ended up in space. Whatever. Like, it's weird. It's like a, they bring him back. It's such a strange... Well, no, because they, they find him in orbit, like frozen, don't they? And then they bring him in and thaw him out. I don't remember. I haven't, I've literally not watched Jason X. In... I have never seen it. I've only heard people talk about it. Anyway. I, I, in, I watched it long, long ago. I've forgotten all the details. Of course. Uh, next up from Andy. When Carl Showalter, Steve Buscemi, puts his partner in the wood chipper at the end of Fargo. Oh, that is a classic. My gosh. It's good death. Uh from at Wazecats, for me, the best was the final live stream of the Unis Anis channel. My wife and I loved watching Mark and Ethan do their daily videos for a year. It was sad to see them delete their channel and all of the content, but I'll never forget all the great moments. I have no idea what he's talking about, but sure, I'll go with that. Uh, from at Psychomorian, uh, probably Joyce Summers from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. The body as a whole is a gut-wrenching episode of television, and her death and the aftermath of it hits all the harder once you've inevitably dealt with the death of a loved one yourself. Oh man, you are not kidding. That is that is one of the best episodes of like fantasy slash sci-fi because I spoiler alert for a 20 plus year old television show, she just dies. I think it's like a brain hemorrhage or something. In a show where people are constantly dying and coming back, demons are everywhere, death is everywhere. But when a, a person who is a loved one of a main character dies of natural causes, it just it hits in a completely different way that is wonderful and fantastic to have to deal with uh for those characters. All right, uh, from at Hippie 200, Sniper Wolf's death in Metal Gear Solid had a huge impact on me as a kid. It was so well done. Her story, the music, everything. It made my kid brain realize the difference between good and evil isn't black and white. Playing the game again, I didn't want to kill her, though. <laughs> That's what happens with those complicated characters. Um, uh, uh, <laughs> I've never played any Metal Gear Solid, so I don't know. Uh, I won't say anything. <laughs> Okay. I won't rain on any parades. (laughs) Fair. Uh, From Matt, yes, it's Aaron. The elevator scene in the first season of Fargo is one of the most shockingly brutal scenes I've ever seen in any medium. I have not seen the Fargo TV show. Robbie, have you? I haven't watched it. It's on my list, but there's a lot of things on my list. I don't know if I'm ever going to get to them. That's true. I've heard it's very good. Fair. Fair. All right, then. Uh, From Matt, BMD Xbox would have to be the death of Darth Vader or Iron Man. Mm, Good choices. All right, Robbie, you just want me to hear me try and speak German, don't I, I, will, I want you – here, I want you to open up the – I included the link to the suite because there's a picture attached, and I didn't – it doesn't usually oh. play nice. Um, but the picture, I was – this This took me back. This is this is really – this is some children's book, a German children's book as far as oh, I can tell. Oh, yes. I, I saw somebody post about this on Twitter the other day. <laughs> wow. So – All right. Uh, from Matt, Brave New. Oh boy. Uh, <laughs> a girl plays with matches, actually unites herself and burns to death. Meanwhile, her cats start to cry. <laughs> I loved it when my grandma told me the older children's books. 
I mean, that's what happens when you play with matches, obviously. I mean, it is a good, it's a cautionary tale. Don't play with matches and you won't burn and upset your cats. That's true. The real horror her is her poor cats crying. And the cats uh, lost cats their... can't really cry. So. Yeah, I mean, those poor cats. Yeah, exactly. And finally, from Avery, my favorite fictional death is Darth Vader in Return of the Jedi. It is such a powerful scene and I love it. Robbie, what is yours? Okay, man. Yeah, I need you to 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 judge. Okay, if this is okay. fair, I think it is. I think it's a fair answer, but I'm gonna say the Iron Giant. Oh God, Robbie, why would you do that? I mean, he doesn't. <sighs> he's technically not dead. We don't know whether he's. We dead see or not. him re. He can reassemble himself, and it's 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 established that he can, and they they hint that it, that's what's happening. But at the very end of the film, the very mm-hmm. very end. But it is such a power is such like a like, I don't know, charming, heartbreaking and sweet moment. You know, the Superman thing, the that it's just that wonderful, like sacrifice. Uh, the scenes like that always work on me. Um, and I, yes, I mean, there and there's a lot of really great fictional deaths, obviously, but. If you want off the top of my head, I could probably have a different answer every other day. But go to Iron Giant, just so wonderful. Uh, and obviously the movie's great, so it, it, I I consider it. Iron Giant doesn't know that he's going to be able to rebuild himself. I you know he doesn't know that no. he's, he's, he's he thinks he's he's sacrificing himself because he needs to save these people. Uh, Matt, what's your answer? Uh, mine is one I was uh, reminded of actually just yesterday. Uh, is in The Little Mermaid when Prince Eric drives a ship into Ursula to kill her. <laughs> I mean, okay, there's, there's, there's lots of qualifications because obviously Ursula was not the greatest person in the world, but she is heavily maligned, but also <laughs> driving a ship, like prow first, right into a giant octopus lady. I mean, could it get any better than that? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> it is very good. This is very complicated. Little Mer- a lot of those '90s films, early the '90s Disney films, I have a lot of complicated feelings about how they portray their villains. But uh, it is pretty good. It is pretty good. Next week's question: What is your favorite moment from season 19? Ooh, that's gonna be slim, scraping the bottom of that barrel. Slim pickings, but I'm I I'll come on. I'll look over the episodes and I'll go. Oh yeah, it's that probably. I mean, it's like it's probably like, oh, what are what are the best episodes of of season nineteen? Oh, it's probably it's probably from the Departed. Honestly, it's probably going to be that or something like that. Um, I'll post this question on our social media on Twitter at SimpsonsShowPod. You can email us at SimpsonsShowPod at gmail dot com, and I post this question on our Patreon uh, as well. We can move on. It's time once again for the No Google Trivia Challenge. I am too smart. I am too smart. S M R T. I mean, S-M-A-R-R-T. The No Google Trivia Challenge, where Matt and I each challenge each other with three trivia questions, one easy, one medium, and one hard, and try and stump the other. Matt has a six-point lead on me, but I haven't lost yet. I probably have Not lost. yet. I mean, my questions are, I don't, I don't think you're going to, I don't think you're going to get zero points today, Matt. I'll say that. I guess we'll see. Uh, give me an easy question. All right. What is the profession of Krusty the Clown's father in Like Father, Like Clown? Uh, he is a rabbi. You are correct, Herschel. Rabbi Hyman? Is that his first name? Rabbi, ha- rabbi Hyman Krusty? Yes. Krusty? Herschel. It's Krusty's first Herschel. name. Herschel. Herschel and Hyman. Um, 
your easy question, man. In let's see, what is Bart's catchphrase in Bart Gets Famous? I didn't do it. That is correct. I knew you were going to pick that episode. <laughs> of course, of course. Yeah, it's pretty obvious. All right, your medium question. In Like Father, Like Clown, what is the name of Krusty's assistant? Um, Bart Simpson. Hmm. I'm afraid uh, not. And this particular one, uh, Krusty's assistant is Lois Penny Candy. Yeah, I, I, I didn't remember, Matt. Um, your I, medium I question. Tell. Medium question. Where do they assemble the boxes made in the box factory? I believe it's Flint, Michigan. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> you're correct. Damn. I oh, know it's just horrible, isn't it? All right, uh, your hard question. This is this is so hard that even I would not get it. Oh God! But I just saw it and I was like, yes, I have to ask this. What is Bart's crusty buddy badge number? I presume it's some really long number. Uh, it is five digits. Oh God Almighty! Uh, is six five seven three two. I'm sorry, it's one six three zero two. Yeah, of course. Okay, Matt, uh-huh. your, your hard question. What in, in this is in a in a uh, brief flashback? What is the name of Homer's one man band? Oh gosh, um, the song is called "Tighten Up," and it's the music you tighten up to. Um, I can't believe you remember that. <laughs> I know it's awful, right? Um. What is his name, band's name? Uh, I have no clue what the band's name is. I, I know it's on like the bass drum, but I cannot. Remember. He is. He does say it uh, in a roundabout way, but they are uh, Archie Bell. His his he is Archie Bell and the Drells. The Drells. I always wondered what he was saying there because I remember him saying Archie Bell, and I thought he was saying the drums. What even is that, Archie Bell and the Drells? No, well, it's it's he says. I believe he says I'm Archie Bell. And these guys are the Drells. But it's a one-man band. But they're not... I don't... Matt, I don't... I don't know how it makes <laughs> sense. I'm just saying that's what he says. Okay, okay. So he is... Fair, he. Fair. I, I think he's giving the rest of the instruments... At, like, he's personifying them. So I am... He's Archie. He, and these are the Drells. So it's like... He is Archie Bell and the Drells. They don't actually say that. That's why it's tricky. Is like he doesn't say Archie Bell and the Drells. He says my name's Archie Bell and these guys are the Drells. And I'd be like, oh, if I was sure. if I was putting that band on a marquee, I would say Archie Bell and the Drells. And it feels like that's the joke they're going for. But the fact that I, you know, I look this up and I'm like, this this is like is such a roundabout joke that literally takes place in the span of like six seconds. You know, in a brief flashback. This is more complicated. This joke is more complicated than anything in this entire episode we just watched. They're, like yeah. this, it's just this weird construction. I don't. It. it it's mostly. It's not even. That, I don't think it's that funny, but it is. I think the effort is there. Um. Well, that is. That's you're. You're not. You're. You're incorrect, Matt. But you. It didn't matter. You still beat me. Um. By not double digits though. Again, that's true. We made. You kept it close this season. Uh, close. Um, I will say that we, as we did much better this season than we have in multiple years. Oh, wow. You, you got 57 points, which is more than you've had. I mean, I guess it's not fair because we did the movie too, but obviously there's only, there's only 20 episodes in the season. So it's not that out of whack because, but like last season you got 40 points. 
The season before that, you got 39. The season before that, you got 34. The season before that, you got 50. You got 57. I got 49. For, my 49 points would have beaten you in the past three seasons. So I, we did pretty good. We we combined. Maybe we're just getting we're so easy on our questions. That might be a problem. Um, Matt will, once again, this is becoming a routine that I don't like, but Matt will once again choose an episode uh, that we are going to do a commentary track for. And we'll release it on the main feed. Um, once we get there, once we have time, once we set it aside, once Matt decides, I don't know if Matt probably has not decided yet. He probably has not literally given zero thought until this very moment. Literally zero. Cool. Um, so Matt will decide on an episode. We'll do a commentary track for it. And you can listen on, watch out for that probably in a couple weeks time within a few weeks. Um, but we'll start next episode next week. Fresh with a zero, zero fresh slate gives me another chance to disappoint myself and all of you. Ah, uh, we can't move on to our final segment. Segment we end every single episode with it's time for best episode ever. Best episode ever. Best episode ever is the part show I meant. I rank the episodes categorically, watch them chronologically, eventually compiling a list of every episode ever and how good they are. This episode is not good, but it's also not miserable. True. I, well, I think a good place to start is. Uh, I, I believe uh, one of our uh, Patreon uh, supporters suggested episode 250. I think we're going to no, be lower no, no, than no, that. No, 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 there's no way. It's way below. Okay. It's it's way below that. Um, oh my gosh, about... we're almost to 400 episodes ranked. This will be 397. It will be. Um, that's discounting all the Trails of Horrors. Um, yeah. And a few miscellaneous things. Um, mailbags a lot. Um, I'm looking at I'm looking at a list, Matt. I it's definitely not it's definitely not as high as two fifty. I'm looking at just it's something like some of these episodes I'm like, there's no it's just I, I just didn't laugh once. I think that's my main like there's and the plot is kind of empty. There's just nothing there. Um yeah, I mean, there's no jokes, there's no plot, there's nothing. No. I think it is in the three... Might be in the... I'm, I'm looking at the lists, and I'm trying to figure out. I think yeah. Skinner's Sense of Snow is number 292. That is better than this. Um, oh, for sure. Yeah. How I Spent My Summer... Yeah, I, I was looking around like the 300s, the, the, the early 300s, like the way we weren't. Uh, at least it doesn't try to rewrite history or <laughs> Midnight RX. I mean, that's. I think it's a, uh, it's a good it's a good area for it. I think I think it's in that area. Yeah. I'm trying to find a lower spot for it. Something that's definitely better than. I think this is better than. I don't know. Like, I think I don't know. I I don't, I I kind of think. Hmm. Any given Sundance, I think, is similar to it. It's another kind of aimless season nineteen episode where it's not like it's yeah. awful. It's not, it's, but it's just there's just nothing there. There's no story. Like they try and make a story, but it just doesn't exist. I think any given Sundance is also it's also like a Lisa story that doesn't. It's not really a Lisa story. There's not, nothing really happens. Um, I don't know. I really don't. Um, Every single time. I mean, literally every single time, I'm like, "What is that episode again?" I have to look up what these episodes are because I completely <laughs> forget them. Oh, prankster! Rap. Okay, so we're looking at any given stun dance. Right above that is how I spent my summer vacation, which is how uh, where Homer Homer goes to like rock star camp. Yes, which 
I really don't like, but I would rather watch that a dozen times over than watch this again. I yes, I think I agree. I like I don't I don't know. I think I I don't know if I'd watch it a dozen times, but I I think it is better than this uh simply because I like some of the guest stars. I think that's all it has. That all that that's all that episode has for it is like some of the guest stars I like. Um I think any given Sundance it's I think it's any given Sundance is also that similar like I think it is I think any given Sundance is slightly better than this. Just a hair. Not a lot better. Yeah, because at least it kind of has a plot. And I did enjoy the whole, oh yeah, Skinner is a film buff kind of thing, or at least a, a film industry buff. That, I, that was kind of surprising and more enjoyable than anything in this episode. Yeah, I, I don't know. There's but it we're getting close. Um there's pranks to rap. It's below that. That's with Alcatraz. I think this is better than Pranks to Rap. I think. I think so too, because that one is just goofy. Like it is, it's just Bart gets out and then they have to saw. It's one of those weird ones where, you know, one, one set of characters is trying to track down another set of characters, but none of it's funny or interesting. I, I think it's, I think they're both the same level of kind of meandering and, and weirdness and not, they don't really have a plot. Um, I think that this this is less cringeworthy, very only slightly. So I'd put it above prankster rap. I think I don't know. I'm this is all such nebulous territory. I think that I think it's just is at this point it's not about how much I like something. It's about how much I dislike the other thing. So I have to go like which one do I like less than you know? And I think I I like pranks rap. I like pranks rap less than I like all about lisa but i don't like either of them i think i think i've lost i need like a i need like something to like you know you get like a stuff to cleanse your palate at the at a restaurant like i need something like that for my brain after all these simpsons all season 19 like i need something to reset i need to go watch some good simpsons i think that's honestly the answer not you there yeah sorry my headset fell off <laughs> my bad professionals guys we're professionals absolutely uh, professionals all about lisa i would yeah i would say in between pranks to rep and any given sundance is that all right that works perfectly for me it is the new number 311 everyone's favorite band matt loves 311 right yeah I, I could totally name one of their songs you can't name a single 311 song really not one i don't know i i mean uh 311 311 um i no, i got nothing i have no idea of any song that i know that they sing well, you're you're in luck today, Matt, because I hate 311. I am not going to voluntarily talk about 311 any longer. So, uh, okay, good. We don't have to uh, discuss it, uh, and I won't shave you because means I have to talk about them some more. We uh, that's number 311 is a number 120 on the post Golden Years ranking. Uh, any it's right below any given sentence, right above Prankster Rap, Homer's Enemy, still number one on our list. Last on our list is still Codependence Day. Um, may never be beaten, but. I'm never. Gonna, I'm not going to say won't because who knows? Simpsons continually surprise me how bad they could be. Uh, we're not done yet. We have one more thing to do. One more question to answer. That question is: Do we shoot this episode out of the cannon? The cannon! The cannon! The cannon! The cannon! The There's, there's really no reason to keep this in the canon. Nothing is really added. <laughs> no, not really. 
it's pretty bad. I mean, it's not, there's nothing, it's just bland, and I'm like, I don't know. This sometimes varies in how stringent I want to be, but I think you're right, Matt. There's really nothing here. There's not, like, I I never need to refer back to, oh, we, you, you, I'm, if I'm talking about The Simpsons with someone, I'm not ever going to mention all about Lisa. Ever. I'm not going to talk, even in, like, in a bad way. It's just, there's just not enough. It's so empty. Well, you know what that means, right? I believe that means we have to fire the cannon. Fire the cannon! <laughs> Goodbye, all about Lisa. I barely will remember you. You're going to be an episode. No one will miss you. In, in next, like in 20 episodes from now, you're we're going to look at, or we're going to be ranking an episode, and we're going to go all about Lisa. What is that one about? And then, you, then you'll either one of us will look it up and go, "Oh, it's the bar get famous, but with Lisa." And we'll go, "Oh, right." Um. So no, goodbye. All about Lisa is not in the canon. We can move on to the top of the list as we are working our way down, and this is an interesting one. We're at number ninety four. Home sweet, home diddly, dumb doodly. Slightly controversial episode of The Simpsons. Slightly, but not like super. No, no, no. It's it's still it's still I I would still call it a good episode, and I think it's in a vacuum. There are no, there's not really a problem with it, but in retrospect, you can clearly see this is where the Flanders as uptight christian stereotype came into existence and to 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 the exclusion of everything else like he was no longer a loving father and like there's he was not a new there's the it's that exclusion of a nuance it's just like oh no he is christian all this christian conservative stereotype and that's all he is and this it started in this episode i think because he's going to go baptize people's kids with a about the you know no permission and all that stuff. Um, but I bring that up only to bring it up because I think it's worth mentioning. This episode's still canon. It's actually very interesting. I think it's it it's it's really there's a lot to talk about with home sweet home diddly dumb diddly. And if Flanders, you know, if they continue to write Flanders as an interesting character over the years and just let that be that outlier, there wouldn't be a problem. But people who wrote The Simpsons in season seven didn't know seasons fifteen was going to happen, or whatever. Matt, anything? No, no, <laughs> just sad. You don't have any feelings? You, yes. Not about this episode. You want to make it part of the canon? I oh. mean, no, I want to. Oh, oh, sorry, sorry. Where, uh, what? Pay it back. I, I, pay attention. Hey, I said, hey. I said Come earlier, on. yes, we need to keep it in the canon. I think you just talked over me so much you didn't even hear me. Yes, absolutely, keep it as part of the canon. It is wonderful i mean it's it's like you said it's got the problem of is flanders a christian stereotype or is he a good neighbor but i think this straddles that boundary fairly decently like i feel like it is distinctly possible that we could keep this in the canon and not have flanders be too too overreaching no i agree i think it's 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 not there it's not season seven's problem that they went and wrote flanders as a nutcase as a continual just a monster effectively um so yes part of the kit <sighs> i just feel exhausted it's tired well you had to think about something terrible so to think i just had to think and talk i'm just it's friday i just want to lay down i just, I just lay down i got work to do after this i don't know if i'm gonna be able to um 
Might have to wait till Monday. What do we do? What do I do now, Matt? I say, I say that is that. Uh, you can find this list on our website. It's thesimpsonshow.com. Has list links to everything. There's a list to our, to our Twitter, to our RSS feed, and a link to our Patreon if you want to help us out, help out the show, help support hosting, help pay for all the very increasingly exorbitant hosting costs. Uh, we really appreciate that and get a bunch of bonus stuff alongside it. We uh, are going to move on to season 20 next week. Uh, to the woo. F- woo, uh, to the first episode, sex pies and idiot scrapes, in which Oof. Homer and Flanders become bounty hunters, and Marge works at an erotic bakery. Oh God! Okay, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, Matt. We'll find out if it's the HD era, right? Well, not yet. The HD era starts about halfway through the season. Okay, I guess that's fair. It's after the production run of season nineteen. So, LABF is the first, I guess, the first HDR, right? Yes. I think so. Yes, yeah. it's that. that's technically the first, it's the, and that's not until the 10th episode. So, we got a little bit of, we got a little bit of ways that we transition, um, but you can watch along with us if you would like and can join our Patreon if you want to leave your review. Uh, you can find me online on Twitter at Robbie Dorman, and my website is RobbieDorman.com. You may notice that those are my names. Robbie and Dorman. Uh, so if you need to find me, that's where I'm at. Uh, you could purchase my books there. Links to all of them. There's 10 of them. There's soon going to be 11. 11 going to come out soon, guys. My goodness, Robbie. Yeah. I'm excited. I'm working on it. I'm finishing up everything right now, finalizing all that stuff. Going to get up. As soon as I get a cover for my book, I'm going to get it up, get a pre-order ready, and try and sell you it. It's about a killer hockey mascot. It's called Killer Hockey Mascot. It's about a killer hockey mascot. Whoa! I can't, pretty... I can't imagine what that's actually about. <laughs> yeah, there's actually there's no secret. It is literally it's what's on the tin. Uh, but I'll have a pre-order for up, up for that soon. Uh, it's returned to form, you might say, in that it is very. I don't know. I I I rereading it. Had a lot of fun. The book about the book called Killer Mo- Killer Hockey Mascot about a killer hockey <laughs> mascot starring a killer hockey mascot. Uh, but you can buy all my books. You should go buy all my books because they're all great in their own different ways. Uh, go leave me great reviews on Amazon for them or wherever you find and read your books. Matt does not participate in social media. You will not find him. Uh, that is true. Uh, like I said, I don't have time for social media except for you know the social media that involves taking care of kittens, which you can check out at Kitten Turns, K-I-T-T-I-N-T-E-R-N-S on Instagram and see some incredibly adorable kittens. You can even see, as was recently posted, a day in the life of a kitten turn. It's a very stressful life for these poor little interns. They only get paid in snuggles. So try and support them as best you can and maybe, maybe adopt an intern yourself and make sure that they get the compensation that we have obviously denied them. I think Instagram's hiding your account for me. Oh no! Like I don't, I don't like it. I don't. Just let me. Hey, Aww. Instagram. Hey, Instagram. Hey. <laughs> you know, if I subscribe to somebody, if I follow them, I would like to see their posts, please. Robbie, you know that that can't be allowed because they've got to show you what posts they want you to see through the algorithm that keeps you on there longer and then gets them more money. I don't mind. I honestly hear Matt. I'll say this is maybe not controversial. I uh, don't mind them showing me other stuff, random stuff, necessarily. I just scroll past if I don't like it. I do want to see that I the stuff that I explicitly follow. I would like to see all of them. I'd like to see everything that I've all my the people I follow post. If I don't like it, I will unfollow them, and then you don't. I don't need to see them anymore. But uh, whatever. I don't know, Robbie. The social media. I hate it, but I need it to live. 
It's a problem, huh? It's a problem for all of us, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah I know. Uh, that was it for us today. I'm Robbie. And I'm Matt. Thank you, Bart. This is, uh... Shh.